it's one thing to say you have great potential and it's another thing to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those are two different things, you know, and if you have the potential to be great and you're relying on that potential to, to the advertising and the marketing of America has been phenomenal. Like <laughs> yeah. The image, the branding. Yeah. Oh, ooh, <laughs> branding. Phenomenal. The uh-huh. delivery and execution and the reality that exists here needs to be uncovered, um, needs to be admitted, needs to be confessed, needs to be diagnosed, and we need to address it. And then mm-hmm. potential will start to move from potentiality to reality, mm-hmm. to, to, to being the greatest, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's how I've, I've always, now my adult life, feel like America is, is always a potential for us. We're always right there. If we did mm-hmm. this, we could do this. Right. Yeah. Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome, welcome. We back at this thing. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about a diagnosis or trying to diagnose the issue of racism. First, I want really want to let you guys know that the need has been noticed and Emily and I have taken on the challenge to really educate and really open up space to um, to get at the heart of this this issue of racism, systemic oppression. However, I am a selective BIPOC that has chosen that that mission to do. And so not every person that looks like me or the person of color has chosen to do that. So please allow the relationship, and please understand that Emily and I have had the relationship and the previous conversations necessary to put ourselves out and be, become vulnerable so that we can do these kind of things. Um, so really, really know that when you see a person of color, you have questions. It, it come from a place of relationships, come from a place of wanting a, a desire to actually know them before you just think it's a green light to, to start questioning and divulging and trying to dissect and understand them in that way. Yes. And the other, the other thing we want to start off with is that, um, you know, I am, I'm white and, but I do not speak for all white people. There is obviously a myriad of experiences out there. So with that being said, another great episode, let's get it. Let's get to this work. So Emily. So Courtney. You, you previously, before we started this, you wanted to really go into the why individuals are nervous about the work, mainly white people. What are the challenges that you see come up and, and why do you feel like the issue of racism needs to be diagnosed? Yeah. First of all, I need to apologize in advance. I got very little sleep last night. So if I just start talking about something totally unrelated, blame it on my kids. There was a nightmare last night. Okay. Right. I mean, I'm even like, I can feel my heart racing a little bit, like (laughs) 
preemptively nervous about all the things I'm going to say today. So we've been recording this episode, these podcasts for a little while. We have some that we're not even going to release. Our launch is coming up in a couple of days. So people out there in the world haven't even listened to them as we're recording this episode. But I've had an entire process with our process already. And that's what I want to kind of like lift up the curtain and and let people into the experience that that I'm having, which I think is really like symbolic of a lot of um, experiences that I've heard white people kind of recounting. Um, And so, yeah, so my process in recording episodes with Courtney is that we sit down and we record it and it's fun and we're laughing and, you know, we, we wrap up, we go back to our life, you know, I cook dinner for the kids, I put them to bed, you know, maybe watch a show and then I lie down and then I start replaying everything that I've said in the episode. And I always have like things that I want to add on and things that like, so one thing that came up for me that I said in the episode, I was talking about taking correction and how I was kind of focused on taking correction from BIPOC because taking correction from white people is like a whole other thing. And then I was sitting there and I was like, well, you know, really, I need to focus a lot more on taking correction from white people. And, and that culture needs to increase because we don't want to just assume that it's the responsibility of BIPOC to always be given correction. That's a lot of emotional load. And so this is just an example of the ways that like, I always am saying something wrong and always wanting to amend it. And basically, you know, what's underlying that I think is this, um, this anxiety that I have around like what, what I'm putting out there and how it's going to be judged and taken by people. And after almost every episode, (laughs) I text Courtney something of like, oh no, we have to, I have to edit out this piece because I just said this and it, this actually is referencing someone who might listen to this episode, a white person, and they're going to get mad at me. And that's scary. And, um, yeah, I just am really recognizing how, how my anxiety, my conflict, my nature of being conflict avoidant and anxiety about hurting someone's feeling is being completely complicit in in holding the current systems in place. Yeah. I mean, have you seen that, Courtney? <laughs> Every time. And what what is my response across the board? Um, I don't <laughs> give a beep, 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 beep. <laughs> Yo, come on, man. Like when you're speaking truth, you can, I mean, I come from a place when you're speaking truth, it may come across rude. But it has to be respected. It has to be known. And you're not a rude person. So when you're speaking truth um, and you're speaking your truth, it should be respected as such. And individuals, this this podcast, we may know, may not be a cup of tea for everyone. And there are ways and we're always open to be challenged. So if you said something and someone wants to challenge us, we're not going to close the door on them. And we're just going to um, hear them out and be in dialogue because that's the very nature of what we're doing right now. So I, I see it a lot. And I always and it's just something like I have a lot to work on. And maybe that's just something that you have to work on. We we both come with issues. Yeah. And okay, you just you totally just misrepresented yourself, though. Courtney is a very, very compassionate in his response. (laughs) You're like, you're like, you're like, I know. I know it's hard. Yeah, that's a struggle we're going to have to help you with is more, (laughs) which is so kind and so caring of my 
sweet little white vulnerable heart. <laughs> so it can be, you know, escorted into the light. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I appreciate that. But it it really concerns me, like how much I and I I don't even really know what I, what I was expecting when we started recording, but like, you know, thoughts of like, oh wow, like, you know, some of my current clients with my my company might be listening to this and they might say, you know, she's talking about race too explicitly, or they may say like, Oh, she's racist. Like, cause I'm trying to confess like what, what my conditioning is, is resulting in and lose clients. And so I notice the way in which capitalism holds white supremacy in, in place, right? Like if I am afraid <laughs> of speaking truth when it comes to issues of race because i might lose clients how is that capitalism that's holding it in place now different from the capitalism that held slavery in place well there is not well (laughs) there is not short answer i mean it's a (laughs) wow you opened up pandora's (laughs) box right now um That's loaded right there. I know. No. Go for it. Go for it. Say what's coming to mind. I'm curious. Slavery, capitalism. Again, I always say slavery was not in the beginning a, a, a color of skin thing. It was a money thing. Mm-hmm. What group right. of people could have been manipulated and capitalized upon so that the Americas and the South mainly and other areas could people could monetize like healthcare was a monetized system that benefited from people of color, you know, mm-hmm. economics, agriculture, just the economy at large was, was boosted mainly because people of color worked and, and, and did their thing so that other individuals could make money and live off the burden and sacrifices of people of color. And so capital- and were inc- incredibly strong. Incredi- like, yeah. Incredibly yeah. strong to yeah. survive the crossing and to survive, I mean, mentally and physically. <laughs> I Seriously. That, that transatlantic voyage from Africa to here was one of the, the I mean, the, had to be one of the hardest things, even from a medical standpoint, you oh, know, right. for them to have been stacked on top of each other like animals for that long of a time and to still make it over here and expect it and been sold and 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 commissioned upon and and just bartered as goods and cattle and then expected to work in the field sun up to sundown and to have kids and to still be able to smile and have the resilience necessary just to make sure that an economy could have been um ongoing was ama- is amazing to me you know right. Right. It is a. It's phenomenal to me. Like we literally we're trying to survive quarantine. Right. Like we're like toughing it out in lockdown. We can't even. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing. I don't think anyone. I. I hope anyone listening could compare to that. Like I mean, it's unbelievable. It's so unbelievable to me when people talk about the freedom of wearing a mask. I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking like people literally died for our freedom and you're equating someone taking your freedom away for a a, a, a public health issue you know and so 
It's just like capitalism is such a thing that people can can do what they want and manipulate a situation for their best interests. You know, and mm-hmm. when you said that about capitalism, it, it goes back to me, comfort. You know, uh, right. You know, people can say, you didn't do what I wanted to do. So I'm going to affect your pockets. I'm going to touch your money. I'm going to take mm-hmm. it away. You know, mm-hmm. you're making me feel uncomfortable. I don't appreciate it. And I pay you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I pay you to make me feel comfortable and give the illusion that, hey, I'm not a racist. I'm doing good work. But when right. you really want to do good work, it's uncomfortable. Right. So if you're in the capitalist system and I pay for a service, I pay for the convenience of making liberation a spectator sport. It's, it, mm-hmm. it becomes very it, sticky when the person starts to feel like I can't continue to be a spectator when this white woman, a person that looks like me, is lifting up the skirt and showing or open, turn on the lights and seeing all the cockroaches in the house. But she told uh-huh. me there ain't no cockroaches in there. So is she lying to me now? I'm paying her. This like it's <laughs> I, I 100%. Right, of, right. You know, I mean, right. it goes back to... I, I'm educated in the system of to, to, to be in a clinic. And then I say, you know what? Thank you for your education. I am getting ready to not practice medicine and mm-hmm. go out here and work for um, dis- disenfranchised people. Right. That's against yeah. a system that like you, you, they feel as though well, we gave you something and this is what mm-hmm. you're going to do to repay, you know? So right, right. it's a, yeah it's yeah it's interesting like i think when i was going into recording i was more nervous about the reactions of bipoc listening to this because i don't feel like i am at a point where i can not do harm with what i say like i it's just it's it's really hard to know how the, the ways in which i'm speaking and representing myself might be doing harm so i was more concerned with that and then as we recorded i got more and more concerned with the white reaction (laughs) as it turns out. And of course, this is all in my head so far because we haven't even launched. So how do you, how do you feel this is related to like diagnosing the issue of racism? Well, in clinics or when a patient comes to see you, they're not coming to see you because you're a friend of theirs. They come to see you because they've noticed an abnormality in their system, their body. You know, Mm -hmm. they're saying I have a headache. Um, I can't sleep. My leg hurts. My chest hurts. What's going on, doc? Can you please help me? If they never did that, we just wouldn't be walking around the city just checking up on people if everyone was feeling good. So you need to make sure that as as we work, do this kind of work, where we're lending, especially with this episode, I love the diagnosing the issue of racism because that takes an admittance of racism. That makes that takes you to say there is a problem with um, systemic oppression and white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if we can't even get there, we can't dismantle a system that doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That's, right. uh, that's that's contradictory. And so I think it's very necessary for us to say there is a problem for us to address the problem and for us to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think here in America, with far too long, we've said, look, we're post-racial. And now, look, we want a pat on the back when we're nowhere near post-racial again, mm-hmm. judged by our past election. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do do you do the same kind of like replaying the episode in your head 
Do you do any of that? Every You do? Okay. All day. All day. Good, good, good. (laughs) Just making sure it's me. (laughs) No, you you ain't crazy. Or we both could be crazy. Either one of those. I don't know. Oh, right. We're both delusional. I forgot. (laughs) Exactly. I forgot. Do you feel like, um, you know, I've been giving a lot of thought in, in noticing the sphere and anxiety and risk. I mean, like we're, we're taking a risk engaging in this. And I just am curious to ask you, like, do you feel like it's a risk to be in relationship with me? Like a, Oh yeah. Cisgender white woman, like that I'm going to do harm. Like, what do you, what's your experience? Of of course, of course, there's, there's a huge risk, Mm -hmm. you know, but without any risks, there's no rewards. And the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward. You know, so what do you what do you see as the risks? Our experience is the risk. You 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 saying something that makes it that kind of deletes all the hard work that we've done on this podcast. Mm. You, know, um, you make it about taking care of you instead of addressing an issue. Right. Um, you make it about making you feel comfortable when. BIPOC and people, um, all of the isms are, are the issue. You're making this like where it's an indictment on you. You're making this mm-hmm. situation about you. That mm-hmm. is the type of harm that delineates any kind of good work that's done um, mm-hmm. towards liberation. Mm-hmm. When we have to take care of an oppressor, I'm not calling you an oppressor, I'm the system that benefits you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. when, when people of color who are oppressed have to turn around and take care of the oppressor that further dehumanizes us. Mm-hmm. And it's a cycle that has been um, done upon us for, for, for centuries, you know, now, you know, right. Like, right. Every time, I mean, a slave is now in the house taking care of the slave master's kids and the slave, right. you know, like, like you beating me, you just beat my husband down. Or you just may have raped my wife, but now I got to take care and bring you water. You know, like you're sickening. It's it's, it's a psychological thing. So that's on every person that I know. You know, we talking about it like what is the most harmful thing? Not really admitting that you're you want to go through this door and do this work Mm. is one of the most and or saying stuff like man, like, just get over it. It happened. You were never a slave, mm-hmm. you know? And so things like that make it really difficult to to smile and be happy living in this country that used individuals that, uh, individuals of color to make the country what it is and at the same time don't want to pay homage and dues to those individuals. Yeah. Or when they give you or, or if something good happens, it's such a, you know, you're a different type of black person. Oh, man, mm-hmm. you're one of the good ones, you know, not knowing that this is a stop that people of color come from resilience, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, right. knowing how to make shit happen, you know. And so it, it that that kind of thing is always not. Well, not now. I should say always, you know, because we have the relationship that we've fostered. You know, we've come to a place where if I say something. You can step in my shit like, yo, you need to take that out or you need to not say that. I don't appreciate that. And I won't come back and say, yo, Emily, no, shut the hell up. I'm going to do this. It's, it's respect. And if I feel like if I came to you, we could talk about it and we can come to a place of respect. So I really appreciate that. Right. But 
when you are meeting someone of a different race, it's all, especially white people in this country, and I, a person of color, there's always a risk in their mind that here we go again. There's a huge right. possibility that mm-hmm. I can be exploited one more time. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I feel, I, I don't have enough exposure to other countries, but I feel like what you're talking about is, I don't know if it's a particular brand of racism that we can diagnose in, in the U S that's kind of different than maybe Australia and Europe yeah. is the, this, like that's such a strong lens of, of denial of like really how, how much it's going to take from white people to engage and, and dismantle and um, dismantle what's going on and, and the discomfort that, that needs to happen. Um, no, the thing about it is you're talking about a discomfort that can lead to a, a change of lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's terrifying. This is why people um, who see a person of color doing a certain thing, well, it's like, okay, now I'm getting afraid. You had Barack Obama came in as a black president, and then you had Trump to let it know that this is our country. Let's make America great again. You know, is it right, is, right. the fear is always if people of color get power in a country that enslaved them and a country that has oppressed them for so long, what would be retribution for them? We cannot risk a change in our lifestyle with that. We cannot be forgotten in our own country. You know, and so, yeah, the history is there are some bad things that happened in our country. But you know what? America is still great and they need to get over that and embrace, be a patriot and love your country. I I think just the fear of changing a lifestyle or affecting a lifestyle is like if you beat a dog for so long, I mean, you beat the shit out of a dog. You don't know one, one of these days, there's a good chance that the dog might bite you. Even if the mm-hmm. dog loves you, appreciates the house that you gave to him, you 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 you're the only house that his dog knows. If you continue to beat beat and 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 torture the dog, the dog may bite you, his own. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so I feel as though white people feel sometimes. And again, this is my perspective. This is just coming from this person called this black man. That if if things change and and power dynamics shift. We we will become powerful and deliver the same kind of torture that was given to us. Right. Because it's like, what else is there? What else is driving the fear and anxiety? You know, like if you think back to like the fear and anxiety that I was beginning with, like what? I don't know. The underlying piece of that might be fear of. Yeah, I guess I would say like fear of losing relationships, of offending people, of being then being marginalized and then being oppressed and then being pushed out and then having um, my family threatened. I mean, after I, I talked about like this talk that I gave last year to a high school where people, uh, you know, I went in and talked about white privilege and white supremacy. Uh, half the school was receptive and the other half was not happy at all. And parents started reaching out to me. They found my company, they found my website and started emailing me. And I was like, oh, I need to change my address. Like I, I realized that, you know, I had, you know, being a a small business, I just had my home address as the address. 
And my husband, being from inner city Minneapolis, is immediately like, we got to take cover. <laughs> you know, like he's used to, <laughs> he doesn't try. I have this like naive trust of people. He does not, you know, he's like, don't tell anyone our kids' names at the playground. I'm like, oh, I could probably use a little bit more of that kind of yeah, inner city yeah. smarts. I'm yeah. a suburb girl. So I, I changed my address and I still did. And, um, what I hear there in thinking through the fear is kind of a similar, not like a mass scale, like white people becoming slaves, but like this shifting of the fabric of things where, oh, I could be the one that's afraid for my family. Mm. You know? mm. And that's um, like, that's it. And, and then I, you know, I see you and I see a lot of BIPOC activists, like really putting themselves out there and then reporting, you know, I think it was Rachel Cargyle last week was like saying, you know, showing these, these threats that were coming at her. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I can feel how that fear could keep me silent. Yeah, well, you know? well, you, you have, you have two beautiful daughters and it's always something to think about if you're in this work, you know? Um, And a lot of times individuals that do this at the level, especially at the level that I'm trying to do it at, I'm willing. And, and there is a part of me that knows that I may, I may die behind the work that I'm trying to do for the world because Mm -hmm. it takes a certain kind of intensity to, to, to break the the mental now i think the the chains are more mental than right. anything you know and so for us to to be disillusioned to think that i can have one foot in safety and one foot in the in the in the mud and in the work i mean that's not a reality that's not mm-hmm. reality at all you know and so i never judge someone for how involved they want to be in this work. I can only do my part towards Mm -hmm. liberation. And so Mm -hmm. I I never want to make it seem as though if you're not doing what I'm doing, you're less than Mm -hmm. you're, you're not as good. You are, you're, you're not really towards progression because that's not the case. It's just Mm -hmm. that I've been led and I'm passionate and I'm, I'm driven to make sure that before I leave this earth, it will be known that the activism and, and the way I live my life, it was a lifestyle. It wasn't a mm-hmm. hobby. It wasn't a, pra- a practice. It was mm-hmm. in my DNA. Mm-hmm. And laying down my life for those I call family as yourself, your family, anyone, just the world, it, it, it'll be a, a no-brainer for me. Mm-hmm. But that comes with a different type of dedication. And it's a, a different perspective. And that's why I love this work because the perspective I bring is all or nothing where the perspective someone else bring may be, this is hard work. This is great work, but I don't know if I will risk doing this because I have a family at home. So. Right. 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 When I kind of reflect upon what we've been saying and hearing, there's kind of an interesting story arc of like, we're talking about like, the strength of Africans to make that cross and to survive in slavery. And then the strength of activists like yourself, BIPOC activists in particular, to risk everything, to put so much emotional labor into 
educating the oppressors. And then you hear my voice being like, I'm the one that's afraid. Um, Yeah, I guess I'm kind of getting the impression of like, if my experience is reflective of other white people out there, then we're like, we're the weaker race, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh, see, now, I I don't know if I would say weaker. I would say different. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, we were we were blessed to be built with and survive a potential attempt at genocide. You know, and so that doesn't make it makes us very strong and very resilient. But there are white people that are very strong and very resilient. There are are other people of color, other races Mm -hmm. that are very strong, very resilient. And we can all exist because we're strong and resilient at different things. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. once we collaborate, that's the thing about it. Now, if we're in a collaborative mission, America would be the greatest um, right. country. Because we like, would have like such everything. amazing perspectives to harness right. and ways of knowing and, and incorporate indigenous ways of knowing. And right. exactly. uh, I think that would move us towards climate change immediately, <laughs> you know, or addressing climate change rather. Yeah. Um, 100%. Um, yeah. So that's the vision. The, so it's not about who's the weaker race. It's um, like throw out the paradigm entirely. So yeah. I've always been taught, right? I've always been taught this like hierarchy of races. And I think it's hard for a lot of, for, for me to imagine because I've been put, had these blinders on, you know, what it would really feel like to live in an equitable society. It's not about turning all white people into slaves. It's about equity for all. And that means a lot of different things and different fields in different areas. America is great because of the potential that exists here, you know, the constitution that we have, you know, and and so I I don't want to make it seem as though I am not blessed to live in a country with freedom of press, freedom of speech, you know, and all the other um, constitution, the laws that we have, because that's a a big thing, you know. Mm -hmm. However, to say that is it's one thing to say you have great potential and it's another thing to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, those those are two different things, you know, and if you have the potential to be great and you're relying on that potential to to the advertising and the marketing of America has been phenomenal. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The image, the branding. Yeah. Oh, ooh, <laughs> branding phenomenal. The uh-huh. delivery and execution and the reality that exists here needs to be uncovered, um, needs to be admitted, needs to be confessed, needs to be diagnosed, and we need to address it. And then mm-hmm. potential will start to move from potentiality to reality, mm-hmm. to, to to being the greatest, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's how I've, I've always... Now my adult life feel like America is is always a potential for us. We're always right there. If we did mm-hmm. this, we could do this. Right. Yeah. That's what is. That's what makes America exciting because if you go there and you find the right time, you c- it can be done. You know, and mm-hmm. that's especially immigrants. Immigrants live for that. Mm-hmm. They come to America for the chance at freedom. Mm-hmm. Just because where they come from, people. This is why when people talk about immigration, if everything was so amazing, no one would come to America. Right. (laughs) 
Right. So where they're coming from has to be so because there is no place like home. No place. So if I'm going to leave my home, my culture, my language, my family to go to somewhere that's 100 percent new, it has to be it's that uh, bad. It has to be horrible. Or, or even just like bring your kids there and go home. Like yeah. the hope of it, you know, like there was a lot of that leaving Tibet too. Like people would come over the Himalayas and drop off their kids and hike three months back into Tibet. Um, yeah. Like that's the hope, the potential. If we can harness, that's what's to harness, right? Like that, that vision and dream and either that or take all the money we put into ice and put it into countries where people are coming from. <laughs> You know, make it, we don't need to build a wall. We need to help build infrastructure and safety and security. And yeah. Yeah. And so like, I, I, when you, when you're the, the fear that you have, and I appreciate you bringing that up, you know, um, that's the first step towards an accomplice becoming a person that does the work is saying, you know, I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a power dynamics that that works for me and I need to to distribute the power that I have so that we can get to equity so that we all can be powerful. Because if you're the only one with the power, but you're saying you're working for to dismantle the system, you're you're lying to the oppressed and you may be lying to yourself, too. The key part of of diagnosing, I think, that we're trying to point to is just the. The honesty about what's what's really going on and i mean if i was to you know as we wrap up this episode if there's anyone that's listening any particularly white people who are like wow there's part of you know what she's talking about that resonates like just look into what is that story for you you know we're talking about stories and this was my story and uh, like i'm just kind of curious for for folks like what what was your story and where is fear holding you into a place where you're complicit might not be relevant for some folks, but maybe there's a little bit of a spark in, in their body. That's like, well, there's something there. There's some, and like move towards that, I think is the, the encouragement here in diagnosing, you know, continuing to diagnose the issue of racism in, in everyone's life. And in, yeah, that yeah. And, and Courtney, and I want to thank you for continuing to um, engage with me, even though there's a risk there. And, um, you know, I hope that the safety that we have built over our months together have uh, gives you a sense that if or when I do say something that causes harm that you can you can tell me that. And I, I would note, too, in in terms of what you were saying before. So in one of our unreleased episodes, I think it was the first time we sat down. I, you know, I was really concerned about centering whiteness. And so I think the first question on record was like, Courtney, how do I not center whiteness? And basically we got to the point of like, oh, I just did. The very first thing I said was centering the white experience by, oh, I have good intentions, right? Of like not wanting to do that, but I'm still centering whiteness and putting it on you to help yeah. me figure out my way out of this maze that's been created for myself. So, 
you know, learning, I'm learning. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a, ph- a phenomenal thing for you. Um, I appreciated the fact that you're vulnerable enough to be in this space and just grapple with me, you know, anything worth anything, you must take a risk. Mm-hmm. You know, you must, if, if, I mean, we grew up in a world where every day was a risk, you know, and we had to laugh through that pain. We had to figure it out, you know, but mm-hmm. we could have stayed home and mitigated some of the risk, but how would we have grown up, how would we have learned, you know? So mm-hmm. to take a risk on liberation and equity, that's, that's a small price when you think about risk versus benefit, you right. know? So the yeah. benefit, it, it outweighs any risk of you. Like this is a calculated risk. This is a risk that we've been in conversation. I feel like I, I have different observational skills that can have either said, you know what, this is not a project that I want to go endeavor with this woman because mm-hmm. it may do more harm than good or mm-hmm. we're in the right spot. This is the right woman. And let's go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could be wrong. I could be right. But that's entrepreneurship. We, we, uh, you always create businesses on feelings and then yeah. you create the infrastructure to protect that initial gut check. Like, oh, this is a good business. I- I'm going to start this, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think we're, we've built the infrastructure to support what we're trying to do. And we're going to continue to make sure that infrastructure is strong and can hold okay. our ideas so that it can be disseminated in a way that is going to really push our narrative the narrative of dismantling a, a suppressive system to to be more equitable for all and humanize yeah. all. Yeah. Awesome. And if you, the listener, want to support this, one of the best ways you can do that is writing a review. Make sure you subscribe. Um, I imagine that we might get some not so favorable reviews too by folks who are triggered by some stuff that we said. (laughs) If you felt this was valuable, if you feel what we're doing is valuable, it is a a huge way to support us. Write a review, give us a rating, share episodes, and come over and engage with us on our social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And we'll post a question following up to this episode when we release it, but it's a our handle is the humanized podcast on, on all those, all those platforms. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of humanize. Please remember to like, and subscribe to our podcast. So you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanized Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.